All right, we are live. Episode 50. That's 5-0. Whoop, whoop. We made it here pretty quick in timing, too. I know. Applaud if we, if we had that background thing. This one also is going to be fire, as I like to say. Uh, it just so happens we uh, timed this one right. We have Ari Raz from Once Upon a Farm. We have Angela Martirano, Orchid, Holistic Search. Orchid. <laughs> Orchid. You got it. <laughs> see how I that? Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Ari, we get right into it. Let's go. We're talking baby food. We are talking baby food. It might be going into some other stuff here. I have a feeling, but just for everybody who's watching the 19 people, tell us how it started. Just give us the original story and then we're going to get into where, where it went. Absolutely. It started in a garage in San Diego uh, with a mom and me. Uh, the mom was uh, Cassandra Curtis, mother of one, me, uncle of seven. We were both passionate about this category. We just saw opportunity to really reinvent baby food for the next generation by introducing HPP, you know, refrigerated products uh, in a very similar vein to, you know, what we saw happen in the juice category with brands like Suja and Blueprint. Uh, this was, like I said, back in 2015. So at the time, there really wasn't a lot of innovation happening in the kids' food space. And we really felt like we could bring something new to the table, something fresh, healthy, exciting, with beautiful branding. And uh, that's what we worked on throughout 2015. And uh, went to our first Expo East, you know, that year and got uh, our first big distribution, which for us was Whole Foods Northeast, which launched January 2016. I like that. So it's 2016. We're going to now throw a couple big names to get an idea of how it was transitioned into adding these players. John Forker, Jennifer Gardner, two big names. I don't know why. It's probably because I'm San Francisco, Bay Area based. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the hookup between Montana uh, Clark in the end zone. I don't where, where that just came from. I don't know. How did that connection happen? Oh, uh, you know, from day one, this was like my, my master plan that, you know, I was working on. Yeah, no, uh, something like this doesn't really happen because, you know, you can't plan something like this collaboration. Uh, it, you know, it has to, it almost has to happen organically, right? It's timing, it's luck, it's just, you know, doing the, the work beforehand to, you know, make sure that you're building something worthwhile. And I think that, you know, Cassandra and I were just on that path. We were working up on a product with a great mission. We were building something worthwhile that deserved uh, its place in grocery stores. And, you know, from, from a very early stage in 2015, John Foraker became an investor in Once Upon a Farm. You know, he was really our first institutional investor to say, you know, I'm going to put money on this brand, even though at the time we didn't have any sales or distribution. So he saw this white space in the category early on. Now, you know, in 2017, uh, we actually got hooked up with Jennifer Gardner's uh, business manager through one of our advisors. And she's the one who introduced the brand to Jen. And apparently Jen had been looking for a brand to collaborate with for, I think, seven years. And she really couldn't find that like perfect fit for her. 
And when she found out what we were doing and what we were up to, and she tried the product and she heard our story, Cassandra and I had the chance to drive up to Beverly Hills and meet her in her manager's giant office. And we were just, I mean, blown away by her personality. You know, she's one of the most authentic, uh, true to her heart people you'll ever meet, you know, especially, and, and that's saying a lot for somebody who makes their money, you know, playing, playing roles and characters. Um, I'd say for Jen, you know, her three biggest passions in life, uh, especially at the time when we met her, uh, Ofar might be one of the top three now, I'm not sure. But at the time it was, you know, her family, her commitment to being Save the Children's biggest brand ambassador, uh, you know, for nine years at the time, you know, traveling the country on their behalf, uh, handing out backpacks at schools, going to speak at, in front of the Congress and Senate, trying to get more money and funding for kids programs, right, to help kids. That, that's a huge part of her life. And then, uh, especially at the time, the third would be her acting career, uh, which, you know, she still is very much uh, into and she's always, uh, right now, not so much with, with COVID, but, you know, generally is filming all the time. So um, when we met her, her commitment to her own family and her commitment to save the children really aligned with our existing mission. And then she was the one who made the request to meet John Foraker because she saw that on our advisor slide, boom, there was his picture, right? And she recognized the Andy's brand. She bought, you know, uh, what are they called? Uh, cheddar bunnies for her kids. And she wanted to learn from this guy who built this massive company, what it would really take to, you know, to take this little tiny brand called Once Upon a Farm with distribution in 350 doors to really expand that to, to be a, a nationally distributed brand that she could really, you know, build a platform around, right? Because it doesn't make sense for her to go on, you know, Good Morning America for Once Upon a Farm if people can't find it in stores. So she saw in John Forker that opportunity, you know, if she could bring somebody like that in to help really build the company, build the brand in a very professional manner, then it would be a perfect fit for her. So, you know, she's the one who got John to fly to LA to meet her at her house, you know, set up a 30 minute meeting with John. John was 30 minutes late. You know, she, he got there, it ended up being a three hour long meeting. And in that meeting, Jen looked at John and said, you know what, if you're in, I'm in. And John looked at Jen and said, well, if you're in, I'm in. And Jen said, you know, usually when people say that to me, because people tell me that all the time in Hollywood, they don't usually mean it. But I have a feeling that you, John Forker, are a man of your word. So he stepped down from his position as CEO of Andy's Organic to join this little tiny company once upon a farm as a co-founder with Jen Garner, which was unbelievable, unprecedented. I couldn't in a million years have planned that out the way it worked out. But, you know, I couldn't be more grateful and, and, and really feel lucky and fortunate that it happened because, I mean, you couldn't ask for two better leaders to join your company, honestly, and two more authentic, passionate people who care far more about ideals and mission and values and vision, you know, over, you know, the, you know, the stuff that everyone else seems to talk about all the time. You know, all, all right. that other stuff is important, but. Mission all right. Model. All right. All right. We get it. We get it, Ari. We get it. Recap, folks. If you don't know who John Forker is and you're in CPG, you're doing it wrong. Look him up. All star. Uh, you're putting him out to the field when it's uh, fourth quarter and uh, you need to get that last hoop in. Uh, Annie's a pretty big brand. Again, if you don't know them, 
uh, and you're in CPG, don't know. Uh, longtime CEO, uh, very successful, uh, and uh, did it right with that company. If you don't know who Jen Garner is, and he mentioned uh, sort of that feel good, uh, she is what it is you see on screen or you've heard about, uh, I totally get that sentiment uh, because when I think about her, I don't even know if I've ever even seen a movie necessarily that she's been in. I'm not a real big movie person, but that's just whatever. Um, when you see her uh, on some sort of channel or in an interview, there's something about her that's very authentic and very motherly. Uh, so why would she not get to be a part of something like Once Upon a Farm? Now that that's been said, let's move it out of the way. Ari, tell us what the business looked like in short form, give it to us quick here, in 2018. I just want a snapshot for everybody. What did the business look like in 2018? So in 2018, we started off the year with about 600 doors and we ended it with close to 8,000. That's amazing. Um, what would you contribute to being besides the fact that we, we just have to say what it is because this is a this whole thing is about value and everybody who's seen at least some of the episodes know that I've spoken with small brands to those emerging to those that have some big players or brought in big investment like a once upon a farm. So every every detail is really, really valuable and we're sincere about it. The reality is you have some good connections by that time. So to develop and be able to process a brand and, and push it forward like that, you need, th there needs to be some connection involved. Oh, without give, a doubt. And I love that you're saying that. Give us like some validation as far as what do you think though are two or three points outside of maybe just the connection piece, right? Which is kind of a given. What do you think are two or three points in short order that helps you get from, from that brand, right, at however many doors, to something that's now point of distribution in 8,000 doors? 100%. I think, first of all, it's building the right uh, deck for the buyers. So the first thing that we did was we bought a lot of data. I had never purchased data before. I was using you know, Whole Foods portal data and UNFI delivered data and those reports. It's not enough, man. You need to buy category level data on, your, on, your, on you know, the, the section that you're in. And you really need to understand the metrics that the buyers are looking for and how you compare to those metrics. And use those metrics, you know, build a story that basically tells the buyer that you are adding value to the set every time they place an additional point of distribution for your product in their stores, you're adding value. You need to be very convincing in this and you need to have data to back you up. Otherwise your pitch, no matter how passionate you are about your brand or how great your product tastes, it's going to fall flat. I so love that. Yeah. I love that. And um, again, it could almost be sort of like, Oh, well, yeah, sure. That's of course. Why not? But I, I, I can say that there are people out there who miss that point. Mm -hmm. You need, and I also like you started with a deck and we could talk days on that. I think people who are presenting to buyers don't recognize how important a six page deck is. Mm -hmm. Who, what, when, where, and why, right? Mm -hmm. Who, what, when, where, and why? Why does that retail partner 
want to have your product, food and beverage in their store. Who's the consumer? How are you gonna be successful with that partner? And I leave that like last point. It's a partnership. It's not about you and your brand and your product necessarily. It's how are you gonna to work together and why is it a good fit? So deck number one, two is inside that deck. If you can, data points. Now I'm gonna leave a last point. Many of those who are starting may not have any data. So we may have to talk about that on the next sort of episode or I'll do a, a separate thing because I know what it felt like too. We even now are just starting to get some data and it does change the game a little bit. So stay focused, everyone. If you aren't there yet, you will get there. And if you don't have data, that's okay. Focus on the who, what, when, and why. It will help. Now, moving forward. The, end, of yes. two, end of 2019, because I know, I just know, you guys, I know, I know what's going on. 2000, end of 2019, what does the business look like then? Not necessarily just door counts, but what is your main focus? If you're inside that room with you guys, right? And you've got a, you've got a decent team now. You've probably got, what, 15 or 20 people on the team? Um, a little bit more than that. Is that close to it? Uh, we're, we're, we're about 35. 35 people, okay. When you're inside your room or in, at the end of 2019, you still were or Zoom or whatever it may be, what are, what are some key focuses? What are the main topics that a, a business like yours is discussing? So what we're talking about, what we're, we're talking about a lot of things high level. You know, what are the best things that we can do in 2020 to, first of all, make sure that we are adding value for those buyers, that we're keeping our promises, right? So we go account by account and we plan out, you know, our marketing plan. You know, we make sure that we're creating differentiated plans you know, based on what works at each retailer. So we're doing analysis on what, what worked, what didn't work last year, what price points work better than others. And we're always trying to optimize, you know, our promotional timeframe, our promotional plans, because, you know, frankly, we want to be leaders in the category. We want to keep moving up. We don't want to slow down. And in order to do that, we just have to keep looking at what worked and what didn't and optimize and optimize and optimize. That's one thing. The other thing we look at very closely is, course, profitability. It's very important. You know, I mentioned mission values and, you know, things like that culture, all very important. But at the end of the day, if your business isn't headed towards or in the uh, profitability uh, green, green zone, then, you know, you're, you really don't have anything uh, that'll last long term, right? You need to be able to build towards the future. So how do we really focus on building in the most profitable um, SKUs and, and getting the most distribution on our best-selling, most profitable items across as many, you know, points of distribution as possible. And, you know, I think that that, that focus is really important. You know, obviously innovation comes into play. Um, you know, you want to think about what's next, what, what's expansion opportunity, what territory can you go into? You know, do you want to do exclusive SKUs for, for this account, for that account that likes to have exclusivity on things? Sure, you, we always discuss those items. But, you know, broadly speaking, um, it's really about the, you know, identifying what those core items are that will drive the most business for your business, for your, the most business for your business and go, getting after it and just getting after it, making sure that you're plugging any holes that exist. You're working with your brokers, you're work, you know, you're just, you're just going right. Because ultimately that's, you know, it's the 80, 20 rule, 
you know, that's, that's the majority of, of where you need to be. So if you want to see massive growth uh, any year, you know, it's not always about that. It's not the innovation that's going to get you there. It's, it's really focusing on your core uh, item set. Love it, man. Yeah. Um, you touched on a few really cool things in there. One, the latter being innovation, I can only imagine. Uh, I've got my own ideas of, of, of what you guys or where you guys can go. I'm just going to leave that alone. Uh, I'm sure uh, John and the team is like all over that one. Um, as far as profitability, I talk about it a lot. You say green, I say black. I'm even wearing a green hat today profitability we can change the dialogue in cpg where you know i'm new to it right when i, I mean, i'm looking around still sometimes i look around trying to figure things out every single day but that that sort of um storyline can be changed um and it's most important really for the smaller brands i often say it's to save somebody from from borrowing 10 grand from their mom like that's what i'm talking about right because i actually care there's a lot more people like us when we started, just these small, you know, you know, they have a mission, they have a gigantic why. Like, you know, I, I always say this time, nobody's why is bigger than mine. I'm telling you that right now, right? And that's the steam that's gonna keep, the, 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 you know, this thing moving forward, right? Besides the fact that I've just got an amazing team, you've got an amazing team, you need all that. But the reality is if you can focus on profitability and focus on it early, You've got something that, that is a, a necessity. You've got something that is required if you really do want to make it without, of course, playing in that very, very small, small space of constantly needing to raise capital, right? Constantly, yeah. constantly needing to, and it's stressful. Who wants to do that? Anyway, sorry, side note. Um, I, dude, I could wrap with you. We're going to do a follow-up, dude, because I, I, yeah. I love your brand. You know that. Um, um, I just like, I, I like where it can go. Um, I like the uh, genuineness of it all. Um, with that said, let's close it up with, what does it look like in 12 months? It, it's, uh, we're, I can't believe we're getting into October. Things are feeling good. You know me, I like to kick out a little positivity. Things are feeling yeah, good. They're opening up a little bit, right? Who knows? My kids might go back to school. I don't know. Um, where are we at in September, October of 21? So, you know, by that time, we're really, um, first of all, we have a lot more households just buying our products on a regular basis, because I think that part of the, you know, for any brand, for any CPG brand, right, you know, you really have to say, how many households realistically are buying our products today? And how many households should be buying our products, right? And when you look at those numbers across the United States, I guarantee you that there's a lot more potential households that could be buying your products that fit right into your demographic that are not, right? So for us, it's really, how do we get from this many households to this many households? All these people, you know, according to the demographic information we're looking at, would absolutely buy a product if they knew where to find it, if they knew what the brand was about, and really heard from multiple sources, you know, about how great our products are really to really understand that differentiation. So that's one thing. And the second thing is again, you know, hopefully we'll have all those uh, gaps in the marketplace filled with our core set. You know, we have, we want to have our core set spread across as many accounts as possible. We're also expanding in certain areas. We just launched um, a brand new refresh set in about 380 targets, which are really exciting 
Uh, hopefully we expand with those items. And there's a lot of new items in that set that, you know, we'll probably, some of those will get out to more accounts over time. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really exciting stuff um, coming up and I couldn't be more, uh, you know, excited or positive about, about what's to come in 2021, knowing how well this team at Once Upon a Farm really came together and managed through that COVID period, which was a little, you know, shaky. And, you know, now that we're basically through that and we're off to the races, I uh, couldn't be more excited. Awesome. Congrats, man. Uh, we'll do a follow-up. And by the way, shout out to your brother, too. I mean, how do we leave that guy out? Uh, if you don't know Guy, I mean, get, get, I don't know, again, I don't know, where have you been? Where you been? Okay? Yeah. Um, His book is number one right now um, on the Wall Street Journal. See how we're plugging things? I don't, this isn't even, a, the, the, like I said, the 19 people, check out the, the new book from his brother. I don't I doubt he needs it, but anyway, anyway, hook him up. Uh, good stuff, Ari. Uh, Angela, Orchid. You, you know that I, or, you know, I, Orchid Holistic Search, um, you and I are hooked, hooked, hooked up on LinkedIn. We've been for quite some time, too. I follow some of the stuff. Uh, give us a little bit of the platform. Who's it for? Uh, and what is it all about? Thank you so much for having me on. So we are a boutique executive search firm focused exclusively for emerging natural CPG. Uh, so we partner with founders. Um, we help consult with them all the way from, you know, what are the needs in the business to how do we attract the best talent? How do we reflect your internal brand throughout the hiring process? and then uh, selection and uh, you know, onboarding of those candidates. So we help brands find uh, key talent from director level, typically through C-suite across function um, and tend to love partnering with brands that have such a strong mission, vision, values. That's why we decided to come into this industry 10 years ago um, and why we love what we do is hearing stories like Ari's and, and yours, Mark, and um, those stories inspire us and um, we love what we do. I like that. Uh, and that's, uh, it was well said too, as I expected from you. Uh, Angela's info, Ari's info, episode 50 in the books. We'll hopefully get another 50, uh, 50 uh, going as, as well. Uh, I really appreciate having both of you guys on. Thank you so much, Mark. Congratulations on episode number 50. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks Bye, for guys. Having me.